0: So I just, um, I was thinking, if we ever thought, if we've ever wondered, right, where, we know Jesus came to this world 2,000 years ago, but what, where, where was he like 3,000 years ago? If Jesus is God, did God just start existing 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago? Where was he? And so, was he just hanging out in heaven until it was time for him to come, and then he went from an adult to like a little baby, and then, you know, what happened? Where was he, you know, from the beginning of, of, of existence? And in today's gospel, we're told where Jesus was before he became a man. In today's gospel, we're told, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so, so, and so Jesus was God the Word. So before Jesus became a little baby, he was the Word. So what does that mean? right? What does that look like? What does that translate into? So he wasn't a human being yet, right? Jesus did not become a human being until 2,000 years ago. Prior to that, he was the Word. And words lead to actions. So, for example, we know in the book of um, we know that uh, from the book of Genesis, when God says in the book of Genesis, "Let there be light," right? When God the Father wanted there to be light, when there was creation being uh, happening in the in the book on day one, when God said, "Let there be light," it's when God made light on day one, making light is an action. So, the words "Let there be light" is where Jesus was. So, light came through the word. Let there be light. So that's important for us to know, like as, the, as, as a, just kind of knowing a little bit of theology, right? What we believe in and what we understand. And we say that Jesus was the Word of God. That God didn't just start existing 2,000 years ago. That God has always been around. He didn't just come into that God the Father, when He was creating, He was creating separately when He created the world. No, Jesus was there. He just wasn't a human yet. He was the Word of how humanity came into existence. In our own creed, we say, I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, all things were ordered and made. And we say that every week. Through him, through Jesus, all things were ordered and all things were made. Right? That the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are never separated from each other. That God was there. Jesus, as the Word, was there when God was saying, I want to create light. And Jesus, through the Word, created light. And all the different creations, even when we came into existence, when God wanted you to be born, when God said, I want you to be born, it was through Jesus the Word that that action came into, came into play. So it's important for us to know that. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus took a human body. Jesus the Word took on a human body. He took on a human body, and we heard in today's Gospel, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So the Word took on flesh, became a human being, and now he lives with us. He lives with us 2,000 years ago. And so, when we think of Jesus taking on flesh, he took on this flesh and he became a little child on Christmas. Why? He had to, get to take on flesh in order to save us. He had to take on that human flesh. So it was out of love that he came into this world, that he came. And since he took on a human flesh, it means for all of eternity now, Jesus still has a body. Jesus has a body in heaven. Only Mary and Jesus have a body in heaven. Because Jesus took on a human body. So for all of eternity, Jesus has this body. So what comes with a body? He has a heart. And because Jesus has a heart, and means he still has feelings today. We could think, okay, well, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, he died. When he died on the cross, he stopped feeling. No. Because he's God, he still has feelings today. Because he has a heart. And we have an opportunity either to console his heart, or we have an opportunity to hurt his heart. And that's what happened with his, uh, That's what happened when he took on this human, this human body. And so we have this opportunity, this beautiful opportunity daily. Sometimes people say, Father, I wonder if I'm pleasing to God. Do I please God? I wonder how I'm doing in God's eyes. And I just say, are we consoling Jesus? And we, there's many opportunities to do that throughout the day. Or are we not consoling him? Are we hurting his heart? Because again, he has feelings. Feelings are a component of the heart and he still has his body in heaven. In the second reading, we heard St. Paul three times tell the Hebrews, this is a book from the Hebrews that he was writing to, he said, harden not your hearts. Three times, not once, not twice, three times he says, harden not your hearts. Hey, harden not your hearts. Hey, your hearts are hardened, unharden them. Three times he said that. St. Paul is warning the Hebrews in his letter not to do what their ancestors did a thousand years prior to St. Paul writing this letter to the Hebrews. Their ancestors, right? The Hebrews, their ancestors, we heard about in the first reading, they were complaining. They just fled the Egyptian uh, persecution. They were enslaved. They are now on the way to the Promised Land. It took them 40 years in the wilderness to reach the Promised Land. And what do they say? We want to go back into slavery. Their hearts got hardened. They were happy. Moses split the sea. They get it to the other side. They escape the Egyptians. And then all of a sudden, they're in this wilderness. Oh, I wish we can go back to Egypt. I wish we can eat this. I wish we can have this and that. And St. Paul is saying, don't allow your hearts to become hardened like your ancestors who were in the, in the in the wilderness. And so when God created us, he didn't create us with a hardened heart, but he created us with a soft heart. It says in the Bible, I will give you a new heart. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. When God created us, our heart was soft. Was soft. But for a lot of us, St. Paul's talking to us, why is your heart hardened? Why is your heart hardened? And why does our heart become hardened? When we suffer? When we're in pain? When we experience rejection? When we experience hurt? Fill in the blank. Life makes our heart hardened. People say, Father, I have tough skin. And we pride ourselves, I got tough skin. Well, guess what? If you have tough skin, guess what else is tough? The heart. It's oftentimes the people who say, I have the toughest skin, are the ones who are the most hurt. Again, in life, we experience this hardness of heart. And we have the opportunity daily to console the heart of Jesus, because he still has his heart, when we unharden our own hearts. So think about that for a second. Today, I can console the heart of Jesus. I can say to Jesus, or Jesus will say to me, Thank you. You've consoled me today. One, when? when I unharden my own heart. And how do we do that? What does that look like? So I'm going to talk about two ways. Of how today we can make a choice when we leave here and say, you know what, I'm gonna gonna console the heart of Jesus. I will not allow my heart to be hardened anymore. First, we console the heart of Jesus today when we unharden our own hearts, and we do that when we forgive others. The clearest indication of a hardened heart is somebody who says, I'm not forgiving, I'm not forgiving them. Are you serious, Father? They rejected me. They hurt me. They spoke about me. They fill in the blank. They caused me suffering. They stole from me. They lied to me. I'm not forgiving them. Are you crazy? Well, that's a sign if we're thinking that because I can go around the room and I can say, just maybe tell me one person because we all have that one person. Some of us have like 30 people. But there's that one person that we just say, there's no way. I can't forgive that person. But again, by not forgiving... Is not consoling to the heart of Jesus. It doesn't give Jesus butterflies in his stomach when he sees us not forgiving. And I'm not saying forgiveness is easy. Absolutely not. I'm not saying that forgiveness is easy. But we have to get into this mentality because we have the wrong idea of what it means to forgive. We think that by forgiving, I'm saying, I'm going to be your best friend. Thank you for hurting me. I love you. Let's hang out. No. It's not what forgiveness means, it's quite the opposite. It's when we forgive and it unhardens our heart, it's when we forgive and we just say, in your name, Jesus, I forgive this person for this thing that they have done to me. It's in your name, Jesus. When I'm saying in the name of Jesus, I forgive so-and-so for doing this, what I'm saying is I can't do it. I'm a human being. I can't forgive that person, but in your name, because your name has power, and since your name has power, I turn to your name, Jesus, and I will forgive in your name. Not in my name, because that's humanly impossible. And daily, there is people who annoy us. There is people who have hurt us. At work, at school, we live with some of these people. In the name of Jesus, I forgive my mother for this. In the name of Jesus, I forgive my father for that. That unhardens our heart, and we console the heart of Jesus. We're pleasing to the Lord when we do that. We're more than pleasing sometimes it's us that we have to forgive. Oftentimes it's our own selves we have to forgive. I can't believe I fell into that sin again. I said I was never going to do it again. I said I made this promise to God and I went back on my word. And oftentimes it's myself. Some of us have such a hardened heart, we're disgusted with ourselves. And that doesn't console the heart of Jesus when we're not even willing to forgive ourselves. So that's the first way. We console the heart of Jesus today when we unharden our own hearts and we do that when we forgive others in his name. Second and last thing I'll talk about. We console the heart of Jesus today when we unharden our own hearts and we do that when we ask Jesus to help us love those who've hurt us and harden our hearts the way that he loves them. Sometimes, we, again, we pride ourselves. I have forgiven that person. It doesn't bother me anymore. Father, yeah, that's old news. I have forgiven them. But then my next question is, do you love them? No. Well, your heart is still hardened. Because Jesus loves them. Jesus loves every single person in prison. The worst crime that you can think of. Now, he doesn't love what they did. And he doesn't love what we do when we sin. But he loves every single person. So for our hearts to be hardened does not console the heart of Jesus when we're not saying, Lord, I need your help Because again, forgiving is just step one. Step two is, now teach me, Jesus, in your name to love this person. Help me to see them how you see them. And that changes everything. We hesitate to take this next step often because we fear of what God is going to ask of us. We're scared. I don't want to ask God to help me now, Jesus, in your name, help me to love my mother. In your name, Jesus, help me to love my father. In the name of Jesus, help me to love this person. We don't want to say that because I might start loving them. And that consoles the heart of Jesus. We might start loving them how he loves them. I might be friends with them again. I might not run out of the room when they walk into the room. And that's freedom. That's why Jesus came into this world, to experience freedom. Because we're enslaved when our hearts are hardened. That's the reality. That's the reality. The inability to allow Jesus to love others the way he wants us is destroying our families came across a recent study. One in four Americans is estranged from their parents. So think about that. 25% of us here do not talk to one of our family members. Mother, father, brother, sister, someone in our immediate family. 25%, one in four. Imagine if I started saying, in the name of Jesus, Lord Jesus, help me to see this person as you see them. Lord Jesus, unharden my heart. Lord Jesus, you love this person. We'd be, we'd be imagine what would happen. One in four does not talk to a family member right now. After he hardens, unhardens our heart, he may then ask us to do the impossible. Came across this recent, uh, I was listening to this talk, of this lady was giving her testimony, and she was saying that she bef- her husband befriended this guy at work. They were both older, and her husband started bringing this guy over to their house, and they started hanging out, and then she got to know him, and she started liking this guy, and then she has little kids, and they just became friends with him for years. Three years, four years, five years passed, and they had this amazing friendship with this guy that her husband at work, befriended at work. All of a sudden, he stopped showing up to work, this guy, and, uh, and he stopped answering their phone calls, and they just didn't know what happened to him. And the wife would ask the husband, hey, have you heard, of, have you heard from Chris lately? No, I haven't. Has he showed up to work? No, he hasn't. Is he okay? Is he alive? A couple weeks later, they found him on the, that he was in the news. He was on the news, and she was, this is was a real testimony. She was saying he was, he was on the news because he was soliciting young girls, underage girls, for favors. Let's just put it that way, right? Favors, he was asking for them. He got caught, and he ended up going to jail. And this woman is giving her testimony. She's saying she had so much hatred in her heart for this person because she has young girls. She had so much hatred, hatred in her heart. She couldn't couldn't believe she hated Chris. She couldn't stand Chris. She then started saying, we let him into our house and all the problems that were coming with that. And I have young children. And she started saying, you know what? Now it's time for me to prove that I'm a Catholic. I can say that I love all day long, but now it's on, game on. And she started saying, in the name of Jesus, I forgive Chris. In the name of Jesus, I forgive Chris for soliciting favors online from young girls in the name of jesus she started saying it and she said month after month she started to realize that she was no longer resentful she no longer hated him and then it started to become a little bit easier she by doing it was receiving healing and then one day after about six seven months she realized i don't hate him anymore i actually forgive him because i've been doing it in the name of jesus then she took the next step In your name, Jesus, help me to see Chris as you see Chris. In the name of Jesus, help me to love Chris like you love Chris. In the name of Jesus, God, give me the strength. And she said it over and over and over again. Three months later, what happens? The impossible. She went to jail. She asked to see Chris. She sat in front of him, looked him in the eyes. She said, I forgive you. Not only do I forgive you, I love you. I don't love what you did, but I do love you. And I see you as Jesus sees you. We can preach all day, brothers and sisters. We're Catholic, we're Christians, we love charity. But it's in times of looking at our own hearts when they become hardened. So often we harden our own hearts to people because, again, we look at the suffering they've caused us, the pain they've caused us. But I've heard some very, very vicious things from our own Catholic people. I wish they'd go to hell. I hope they rot in hell. I hope that they never see happiness in their lives. That's a hardened heart. And that does not console the heart of Jesus, brothers and sisters. So in the second reading, we heard St. Paul three times tell the Hebrews that he is writing to harden not your hearts, and life, suffering, loss, and rejection hardens, does harden our own hearts. Unwilling to forgive and unwilling to love the way Jesus wants to, wants me to love, are two clear indications that my heart has become hardened. Many of us will come forward to receive Jesus in the Most Holy Eucharist today. And what will Jesus find in your soul? What will he find in my own soul? Will Jesus find a soul that consoles the heart of Jesus today? Because although they have been heard in life, they not only forgive in the name of Jesus, but give Jesus permission for them to love others the way that he wants them to love others. Will Jesus find a soul that does not console the heart of Jesus today? because it has been hardened by rejection and suffering, therefore refusing to forgive in the name of Jesus, and won't give permission for Jesus to love others the way that he wants me to love others. Brothers and sisters, we all have a very important decision to make, and by making that decision to unharden my own heart, I receive freedom, I receive peace, and I can then say that I love. Amen? Amen.